What's going on, everybody? This is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics, and this is the Chondrocast, the podcast about green tree pythons and the people that keep them. Enjoy the show. that I'm, I'm really curious to see where they end up. There's The other ones that I've had haven't gone through a color change quite like these guys, so I'm really curious now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's one of them One of them that you posted um, that had like, it, it was kind of a, a really light color. Yeah. But hadn't hadn't gained any, any green at all. All it had done was lighten. Right. It, that one looks really cool right now. I'm I'm interested to see what direction that goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same here. I'll uh, I'm definitely gonna be taking some updated photos as they go along. That's what's so great about these guys. You just you know the whole process is uh, <laughs> is interesting. And you, yeah. Everyone's an individual. They're all different. It's amazing. Yeah, that's super cool, man. How many how many did you get from that clutch? Um, she laid 13 eggs and one of them was definitely infertile at, at the beginning and, um, and then 12 hatched. Gotcha. That's awesome. And, and yeah. you still have all 12? I do. Yeah. It was, um, two yellows and the rest were reds. All right. Well, yeah, it was, it was a blast doing that as well. It's the first clutch that I was able to produce. So that, that felt great. A long, long time coming too. He's he's been he was working yeah. on towards that for a minute. That's awesome. Yeah, I, took the, I took the slow boat on that one for sure. That's the only way well, to go, though. Yeah, that's that's the that's a good way to do it for sure. Yeah. That's that's the crossroads I was at. Was <laughs> do I, um, you know, look for a male that's not a biok for this female for twenty twenty. Or do I just use the small male that'll be ready that is a Bioc next year? And I ended up just deciding to, to roll with that small male because it's like, why why spend the money when I've got a male right here that I could use? And since Biocs are, are sort of in demand. Hey, Justin, how, how are the uh, the babies that you have doing? Um, We're getting there. I Yeah. Was it Sunday night? I don't need, what's today? It's Wednesday. I'm all out of whack, man. Uh maybe it was it might have been tuesday night a couple nights back we'll just leave it at that um yeah i got some chicken down uh my uncle who lives not far from me compared to my parents who are kind of across town have a chicken pen so i went and went into the nest boxes where the females lay the egg or the hens lay the eggs and stole mm-hmm. some of those soft down feathers that were clean looking they weren't covered in crap or anything like that and uh, brought some of those home. <clears throat> Got one in particular that hasn't eaten a pinky yet to take almost immediately. Um, I've got two that have been eaten like machines for the last two or three weeks. Uh, and then the runt of the litter, I assist fed a whole pinky. Like I kind of did what I did with heads usually where I just kind of stuck it towards the back of the mouth and let it do yeah. its thing and it ended up eating the entire thing. And then I had another one that grabbed and wrapped and then let go, but still held onto it. But I put that one in the, I closed that one and left it be, and it was gone 
the next morning. So I think nice. there's three right now that are still being kind of picky. One of them ate a live pinky probably two weeks ago because <clears throat> I've been offering them live every now and then mm-hmm. um, just because it's an option. And I got a few to eat actually that way as well. Uh, just left the pinky in overnight. And then ironically, like one of the biggest ones of the clutch too that has taken, I think, one or two live pinkies, but not consecutively. That's like one of the biggest ones of the clutch, but it's also one of the ones that's not eating regularly. So it's really strange because it's the same size as the two that are eating all the time, and this one isn't. <clears throat> so I don't know. We're slowly, slowly I wonder getting if that there. Has anything to do with being the biggest? Like maybe. Like like it had absorbed enough of the yolk to where it was able to hold out and mm-hmm. last longer. Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? I don't know. But did you uh, did you try and go pick up any any parakeet feathers? I did. I went to PetSmart and of course they had no birds for sale. They had one parakeet mm. and the cages I guess had just been cleaned because there was nothing. Yeah. There was like a few very small feathers and I wasn't about to ask the people to go through and you know can you go get those little dime sized feathers for me and pull them all out <laughs> and put them in this bag. <laughs> so that's when I just went to Plan B and I. I uh, asked my uncle, I was like, hey, I'm going by your house to steal some chicken feathers. Don't ask questions. And so that's what I did. I rode out there and did that, came home, thawed out some pinkies, and got uh, a little bit of forward momentum. So I'm happy. Nice. They're getting there. Yeah, that sounds like progress for sure. I've had zero luck with chick down. I, none of the ones that were being stubborn um, want anything to do with, with chick down. I'm not sure what's going on there. Dude, it's crazy. I've had so many people that are like, oh, we'll try this, try this, try this. And I try all this stuff and I get no luck. So everyone's like, oh, this works for me every time. So I try it. It doesn't work. Yeah. Eh, it's, I don't know. I guess it's it's just the, the luck of the draw. You know, like I think oh, Thomas O'Kane, his whole clutch, I think they all ate right off the rip. Yeah. The first clutch he so. had. I don't even think he had any issues with his. Mark, have you used chick down much? Have you had much luck using that? Uh, I have. I, I I've used chick down a little bit. Um, I I was telling Justin. So uh, Bill Stegall had he had a uh, this one holdout that it, it actually had started eating, like uh, the first couple times he fed it, and then it yeah. just went on a hunger strike and said, "No, I have no interest in eating anymore." And so he, he tried everything and, um, you know, went, um, maybe, maybe like a month or two and couldn't get it to try anything. So he, he gave it to me to, you know, just to see if the ride to my house and, you know, just a change of location would help. Yeah. Um, and I tried chick down with it again. It didn't, it didn't work. I tried just a, a regular pinky. It didn't work, but my, the people behind me have parrots and parakeets, like those uh, those little budgie parakeets. Yeah. yeah. And so um, I I got some down feathers from them and put that on the pinky, and it was it was a completely different snake when it smelled that. Really? It's so oh my bizarre. Gosh. I I tried everything. It it you know, and when I put in that like that parakeet feather, oh dude, it was like what is this? 
I oh, that's cool. It. And it, it struck out immediately. And so, you know, I, I have no idea why. Um, but then I, I, uh, I went and, um, I, I told, I told a couple of the other, um, guys here in Texas that had trouble feeders and, and they had luck just going to PetSmart and buying or not buying, but just asking them, Hey, can, can I have some down feathers from your, um, from your parakeet cage? And they, they gave them, you know, some in a plastic bag and, um, a bunch of it worked for them too. Um, so I, I don't know what the, you know, if it's, you know, the secret ingredient or, you know, if it's just one, one more thing to try. Yeah. Um, it's I mean, you could, so you could make that, that yeah, some you could species, make strange arguments yeah. about it where like, well, actually these, these, you know, <laughs> budgie parakeets are native to Australia and, you know, I, right. I don't know. It's, I don't know what it is, but there's something there that, uh, it, it didn't like chick down, but it, it was all about the parakeet. Well, I'm gonna try that. I'm yeah. definitely gonna try that. Next time I go to PetSmart, I'm gonna I'm gonna look be on the lookout. If they've got some available, yeah. I'm definitely gonna get some. Yeah, give it a try. I mean, you know, the worst thing to do is turn their nose up at it too. Yeah, it's funny because every I time have, I'm in uh, there, they have a ton of birds, and then the one time I do go in there and I actually need something, they don't have any. But I tried quail as well. Quail, uh, quail got no reaction. Chicken, I guess, got not the reaction I'd hoped for, but it was a reaction. Yeah, I have uh, I have two uh, out of that clutch out of the the whole group that are just being reluctant. They really, um, you know, I can, I can get them occasionally to eat a pinky head by striking, but most of the time they just, you know, mm-hmm. they I can't get them to strike very much, so that's been a problem. But those were the two that originally were were being stubborn, right? Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, I, I've been lucky. The other ten, I got eating whole pinkies really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, these are just the uh, the two holdouts. I, you know, I'll give them um, a mouse tail if I'm having a hard time getting them to take anything. Just kind of keep them chugging along, and they seem to be doing fine. They're just smaller, obviously, yeah, than yeah. the others. You can you definitely know, tell they fall definitely behind. Starting to see a difference, and um, yeah. I just haven't tried too many tricks yet with them. I tried chick down. Um, and I also have that ground stink too, uh, Justin, that I kept in the freezer just for an extended period of time before I try using any of it. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm going to break that out and see um, if I can get anything out of those two using that as well. And you haven't tried that yet? You haven't used that? No, I haven't Oh, yet. okay. I got you. That's sort of my last resort because that's something Harlan always told me. He's like, man, get a cheap blender you know, find a skink or yep. something, get some chicken broth, blend it all up, put it in ice cubes. I'm like, man, then I got to go find a blender. Then I got to go find <laughs> one of these damn skinks, which it took me a hot minute to get that one for you, man. I was chasing those things around yeah. for probably an hour. <laughs> they're so damn fast. Like as soon as you see them and they see you, you're, they're gone. They just disappear. It's amazing. Um, and I mean, I could get a blender at Salvation Army or Goodwill or something, I'm sure, but... I don't know. I just, yeah. I, me and uh, me and Ryan Brendall, uh, who's local to me, we were talking about it the other day, and I said, "Man, that's a last resort. Like, if it comes to it, I'll do it, but it's not my not my first choice." I think a lot of it's just patience, though. They all come around eventually. I would think they're gonna, you know, if they're gonna be behind everything else, <laughs> so be it. But yeah. it, well, they either will or they won't. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
but that was comforting with with our conversation with Ryan Young that me and that David was with me on uh, the last episode, and he was like, "They eat, they eat. If they don't, you know, whatever happens, happens." And kind of having that mentality, I've kind of adopted it. And yeah. so, you know, if you if you want to live, you will. If you don't, you know, more power to you. Yeah. What did he say? Uh, you know, if you don't want to be here, <laughs> oh well. Yeah. But we are already, we've been recording this whole time. Uh, this is episode 13 of the GondroCast. I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm joined once again by Mark Hager of Texas Condros and David Brahms of Specialty Enclosure Designs, who sponsors the show because he's awesome. What are you all up to on this Ju- this this 4th of July's Eve? Yeah, man, just waiting patiently for the fireworks to start, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. What do you got planned? Maybe you had some barbecue. Y'all doing uh, anything no barbecue special? Yet. I, I cooked a cooked a pretty mean burger today, and uh, and that was that was wonderful, I, if I do say so myself. <laughs> but uh, yeah, typical typical Fourth of July here in Texas is man, I'll I'll head out to uh, to the lake and spend spend the day out there, just hang out and eventually watch the fireworks. So pretty pretty fun time, just kicking back and relaxing it's supposed to rain here tomorrow most of the day from the sounds of it so i don't think mine will be very uh very exciting that stinks i'm gonna have to find somewhere out of the rain to smoke cigars have you guys been a lot of rain down there we like the whole month of june for us was just absolutely lousy uh it was like that for us back in april it seemed like it rained for like a month straight it sucked and then we then we went without rain for a month. Yeah, we we've had one of the wettest uh, spring and summers that we've ever had, and it, it seems like everyone here it's pushed it's pushed the the breeding season back almost you know a mm-hmm. month or two to where everyone oh, is wow. is uh, you know getting they got lockups like a month ago. Or two months ago, and and just now they're getting ovulations and eggs, um, and so it's it's been it's been weird. It's been a very strange time where normally people are uh, are getting eggs by like you know I don't know February or March, and now people are getting eggs in May or June. Mm-hmm. It's pretty wild, and not to say that you know they can't breed all year round. Obviously they can, but when you're typically cycling them in the winter, um, it's the the only thing I can, you know, uh, put it up to is the weather has just been wacko here this spring. And have you paired anything this year or since we talked the on like the third episode? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I I got eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, I have I have eggs in the incubator right now. Um, from uh, my BAC female, she was paired with a Andrew Amon blue blue line male, um, and they are they're set to hatch at the end of this month. Oh um, wow! So they're they're probably halfway through. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I had an ovulation with uh, my melanistic girl. Yeah, yeah, that's um, the one you sent me. I was gonna say I knew you sent me a picture of one of them, and I couldn't remember which one it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she was my very first chondro, and so she's like, 
she is very just near and dear to my heart. And if anything mm-hmm. goes wrong, oh my gosh, I'll just, I'll just explode. Um, but she, she's also like my most anticipated, like female to go. I, she's just incredible looking. Mm-hmm. And, and the male that I paired her with is just in, in my mind is just the perfect match for her. And so she's ovulated. She's, she's entering her prelay shed right now. She's, she's, uh, starting to go into blue and everything so far seems okay. So I'm not, I'm not, you know, puking yet. (laughs) (laughs) And David, you, you don't plan on pairing anything this year, right? Or are you later this year? Um, well, I have one pair of Manaquari that I'm trying to, um, get some eggs out of. So I'm, I'm periodically just introducing the male into her enclosure. Um, I don't know, just occasionally, or if she's going into a shed, I'll throw him in there. But I, I don't think um, anything's going to happen probably until this fall and winter. I think the room is probably kind of uh, on a, a winter cycle up mm-hmm. here, uh, along with the feeding that I'm doing too. So um, I'm not expecting anything from them, but I figure what the heck, I'll just introduce them together periodically and see if anything happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did that same thing with with this melanistic female. I I think I heard I saw I either saw him post about it or heard him talk about it. Um, but it was John Irby said that he, you know, he just paired his male in with his female for you know one or two weeks during the month, each month, and then yeah. pulled him out, let him do whatever, feed, you know, have some time off, and then. If nothing happened the next month, he'd put the mail back in. And, you know, because, our, like I said, our weather's been so crazy. This, this female wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't seeing much developing, wasn't seeing much developing. So I said, you know what, I want, like, this is the pair that I want to have something happen with. So yeah. I'll just keep putting him in, you know, for a week, week and a half, uh, every month until something happens. And yep. eventually it happened. It, it went way later. Like, ovulation was June. I don't know, like early June. Um, but it, yeah, so far things are going like clockwork. Males are the best litmus awesome. test, man. They know exactly when, when to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So man, just keep, keep throwing them in there and, and see, yeah. see what happens. Certainly seems like a good insurance policy, you know, if you uh, if you're really trying to get them to go, because who knows when, you know, she might be an oddball and cycles at a, a different time compared to everything else. So totally, just just play against it, and and uh, you know, in theory, you should should land on it eventually if you just keep doing it like that. Seems like a good strategy. What uh, what else are you are you cooking up in the uh, in the tinkerer shop? <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm nothing particularly new right now. I, uh, I've been so busy keeping up with everything else that, uh, I've had out there that I, I think I've kind of reached the limit in terms of uh, spending a lot of time doing new design and bouncing with my real job and, and, uh, family and everything else. It definitely gets tricky. Yeah, I'm sure. I'll tell you what, man, this Python portal, is awesome. 
Like every time I walk yeah. in, I see mine, man. I just I want a wall of them. They just they look so good. I want them for the Amazons really bad. Those will be what's next. I've got another small Biok that's gonna need an upgrade in the next couple months. Jake's already looking at them and plotting, so we we want to get our hands cool. on some yeah. and just make a bunch of them. Yep, I'm I'm actually probably gonna be doing the same thing for myself too. I the cages that I built, um, I don't know, it's probably five, six years ago now, um, I are a little on the smaller side, I think, from mm-hmm. where I'd like to be. So I'm, I'm probably going to start doing some upgrading on cage size, and I'm definitely going to – I'm going to use that, um, the, you know, that Python portal um, kit essentially to do it. I, I found it to be pretty easy. At least I tried to design it so it would be relatively easy to put together if mm-hmm. something's just a little bit handy. Uh, I don't know how you guys felt. Um, assembling everything. I mean, it wasn't bad for me. I'm horrible at, at measuring. Like, I'm guaranteed to screw it up at some point. But if David just sends the pieces pre-cut, then I don't have to worry about it. I can go. I can take it from there. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I, I thought it was super easy. Uh, you know, the the instructions you provided were were right on, and uh, you know, you just cut everything. The the links that it needs to be mm-hmm. at, and then it's pretty self-explanatory from there. Yeah, um, you're. It's it's pretty pretty easy to plug and play. Yeah, what size tub did Bill get for his? Uh, I think it was pretty pretty similar to the the tub that that you had. He, he got one of the the large clear uh, tubs. Okay. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, probably. Because uh, I got three a, two, and a half Yeah, I got a two hundred quart feet long. I don't know. I don't remember the dimensions of that tub off the top of my head, but yeah. Uh, I mean, for no, adult... yours was like 39, 39 inches long. Okay, that sounds yeah. about right. Yeah, I think that's about what Bill's was. Yeah. Yeah. And do you know what, no. how big did you make the opening? Do you off the Do you remember that off the top of your head? Uh, no. Okay. We we just we just eyeballed it. Yeah. We uh, we basically looked at you know we looked at the shape of the tub and, and kind of the natural um curves and seams mm-hmm. that were in it and and just said okay this is this is as wide and as far out as we can make this window um both lengthwise and and heightwise um and just went to make the biggest window that we could um given the the dimensions of the tub I'm gonna see if he can send me a picture of it because I'm curious. Uh, yeah, I, I have a too. picture. Oh, do you? But Bill can. <laughs> Bill, Bill probably has one. I failed to take any pictures. Yeah, I mean that the, just that 200 quart size is perfect for adult Amazons. It's perfect for so many things. You That's know, a things, big tub. It is yeah. a big tub. Mm-hmm. But uh, that that little male I have in the one now, he's gonna grow into that fine. He's. He's already utilizing both ends. Like he's using the gradient the way I want him to, and I'm just I'm, I want him pumped to get more. Cause I ended up doing mine. Uh, the length of the window for mine was actually a little shorter than what uh, David was using. Like instead of it being 30 inches, I think we ended up screwing up a cut, and just ended up cutting it down to 13 inches. So it was 26 total along the top, and then 10 on the sides. And it's it's perfect. It's plenty big enough. 
And you're using a heat panel in there? Yep. Nice. Yep. And uh, it's working out great. I just have it connected to a hobby stat. And uh, I love those hobby stats. If you're going for just a single single setup and you don't want to spend, you know, 100 bucks on a one of the VE 100s, the hobby stats are little dial ones that are 50 bucks and I I've been using those for a couple weeks now and I haven't had a single issue with them yet. Nice. <clears throat> Very cool. I uh you know, I I made I had I had this idea of using the tubs you know, David, the the first the first portals that you made that weren't really portals, they were like the frames that went over the the mouth of the tub. Mm-hmm. Yes, which yeah, is well, saw, that's what I, I thought that. these were originally. Yeah, well, I man, I, I saw that and I was like, that is brilliant. I I love that idea, but the but you can't stack them because yeah. you know, and, unless you unless you put them on shelves and everything, but even even on shelves, and you have to have something. Uh, under the back of the tub in order to you know to make level it, it out yeah, yeah. To level it out and so i i was like man i want to do that same thing but i want to stack them and so i made i i made these wooden boxes around that i that i could fit a tub into oh yeah and then glue it in there and and use the same the same idea of putting the frame and and everything and you know they worked out great i'm really happy with them they're you know they're awesome but then i saw you put out these I'm like ah shoot because <laughs> <Damn> his <it. laughs> his looks so much better and it's such a like a, such a like simpler design to where you know i it took me it took me weeks to get all my cages done, and then we finished bills in like an hour. Oh um, man! Like, oh, uh, shoot, man! This... <laughs> but kudos to you, man. Well done. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. It's awesome. Sorry that you had to go through all that, though. <laughs> well, I, I'm sure there's, I'm there, sure there's some like old sage saying of like making making things the hard way will make you stronger or exactly something that no one wants to hear one way or another it was worth it yeah well we'll see yeah it's funny you mentioned that though about that that's the one thing about this design that i really like is the fact that you can use tubs the way that tubs were intended to be used which is Mm -hmm. to stack on top of one another and because uh, when I was doing those original frames, that was a question I got asked a lot was, how do you stack them? And I didn't have an easy solution. Um, and then, you know, this just kind of evolved out of that. And uh, I, I, I love it. I think it makes things really easy. Yeah. Where do these ideas come from, David? Do they come to you in dreams? Do they come to you when you're in the shower? <laughs> well, I don't know. You guys are as uh, obsessed as I am with all this stuff. So it's just, you think about it all the time and, and uh, you know, that's, that's where it comes from. It's just the, the love of the hobby. <laughs> I send you, yeah, well, I send you stuff like ideas all the time. I'm like, this is an idea. It's probably a stupid one, but I'm going to at least just throw it out there. And if you want to run with it, feel free. <laughs> I just, I, I don't like to oh, hold man. them back. Man. Me. Like the mini hook and stuff, the micro hook. That thing is so handy. I use that thing all the time still. 
that yeah, hook, I, that little hook I'm using bomb. it too. I uh, never really thought I needed one. Yeah. And then once we, we started making it, I was like, oh yeah, this definitely comes in handy with mm-hmm. those those little babies for sure. Just when you're trying to do stuff with them. Yeah, and actually, I've been I use them with assist feeding too. Like if I use that that fine tip on the actual hook to help push the mouse down some if I need to. So that's oh, really? coming handy too. Yeah. I'm finding all kinds of cool ways to use it. Awesome. But out of everything that you have, though, what sell like what do you sell the most of? Like what are you making the most of on a regular basis? It it changes. Um, things kind of cycle for mm-hmm. some reason. Um, for the longest time, out of everything, it was like just the standard half-inch PVC pipe perch holders mm-hmm. um, I was selling the most of, just just in terms of like the number of items sold. Um, but then lately, it's been uh, my larger printers have been really busy making all the uh, the tub perches. Um, those seem to be a lot more popular at the moment. Um, so either people are buying racks and, and looking for things to put in their tubs or mm-hmm. they're just, you know, they're not buying adult cages right now or something for some reason. Hmm. Now, when I get the magnetic perch holders, the one question that I, I have and I keep forgetting to ask you is when you are actually making those and you have that super strong-ass magnet in there, do you not have to worry about that thing, like jacking up the machine as it's making it? Oh, um, yeah, I don't actually, um, put the magnet in as it's making the, the perch holder. Or is it um, just a piece of metal? So, no. Um, so the, the printers will make, it's like a clamshell design to hold a magnet inside of it. Oh, okay. And so, so I print the two halves and then, um, afterwards I'll put a bead of, um, uh, super glue gel mm-hmm. uh, in there along with that big disc magnet and then close it close it up and let it set overnight those magnets are no joke mark have you played no, with those crazy. at all <laughs> no no i like me. anytime i'm doing anything with them i make sure my phone is not <laughs> anywhere near them because i feel like if one touches my phone it's probably gonna fry it Everything those things, is ruined. Those things are crazy strong, man. It's unreal. Like it, I actually yeah, struggle keep... to get them apart sometimes because I have no upper body strength and I'm weak. Gotta keep That's it your... away from pacemaker. Yeah. That's yeah, your trip to the gym is right. removing compound magnets. <laughs> I do like those a lot, though. I like being able to take them off and clean and being able to move the perches to where I want them. play around with positioning and stuff has been a huge help yeah always trying to, to make things easier i guess were you able to um figure out what to do with the ones where you clipped off the uh the little nubs that are on the back side oh i'm still using them they're still strong enough to, right. to hold up those uh those crepe myrtle branches and everything like that i just i don't put any you know, when I'm in there, I don't put any weight on them or anything like that, but they're still holding oh, okay. up fine. They're not spinning or anything from what I can tell. Uh, that Good. male cruises every night and he hasn't destroyed everything. So, I mean, they're, they're still holding up. <clears throat> I should have only done one initially instead of doing all four, like an idiot to see how, it, how well it would work. We've out. all been and, there. Yeah. I, was, I did it. And then I was like, why did I just jackass? <laughs> Idiot. 
In other news, though, uh, so let me see what's this. David uh, Hochstadt at High City Reptiles hatched out this ridiculous looking neonate. I'm trying to figure out what the pair was, but this I, I know I know you've probably seen it, Mark, but from High City. Yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna send it to you right now. I know you've seen it. Oh yeah. Oh the yeah, I have seen it. That one with the crazy I, bold outline and Yeah, it's got like it looks like he took a Sharpie and outlined yeah. every single diamond on it. I mean it's it's got this bold black, like going all the way down its dorsal, and like every single triangle is outlined in this just oh yeah dark black. It's phenomenal. I'm trying to figure out what that pairing was because I don't remember off the top of my head. But man, I saw that thing and I was like, God. Yeah, that's where it's at. That is beautiful. I don't think that was a repeat pairing because he produced some last year too. I might be the same female. I don't know. I need to get him on here and ask him sometime. Talk to him about it. But that thing's intense. Yeah. Pretty wild. Yeah, man, I, I feel like, you know, it. It's, it's been really cool to watch a lot of the, just a lot of this success that people are having mm-hmm. with Condros right now. I feel, I, you know, not to, not to say that we've got everything figured out by any means, but I do feel like more and more people are having success with chondros of all, you know, all types from the, the, you know, Bushmaster imports all the way to designer stuff. It seems like more and more people are, are able to crack the code. And, you know, obviously it has a lot to do with just, there's more information out there. The, the equipment that we're using is better. The the husbandry has evolved and mm-hmm. and everything. But man, it's really exciting to see see guys having success like that. It's just awesome, and especially to produce something that nice. Mm-hmm. Do y'all think chondros are the most popular they've ever been right now or within the last year? But yeah, boy, that's a tough question. I, it seems like there's a lot more very new people to it mm-hmm. as of late. Um, but you know, my, my history only goes back to like 2012 or so. So I don't, I don't know if it's, you know, well, even in that popular... span of time, have you noticed a difference? Yeah, I, I would say so. I think it's definitely been growing. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think it's, pretty easy to say that the reptile hobby in general mm-hmm. is probably the highest it's ever been. Yeah. Um, and it's, it seemed to be growing really, really well right now. And then, you know, within that, the, the green trees, uh, however much a small part of it, I, it, it seems like more and more people are getting into it. You know, it's, it's growing really fast. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that the, the market right now for chondros is, is some of the strongest that I've seen, uh, you know, just consistently regardless of, 
designer stuff. Like right. People, the the value or is is going up, and and people are are willing to pay it. And I mean, even you know some of the things that that we've talked about, where there's just not any there's not any females for sale at all. Like you can't you have to sell your left arm to find a female <laughs> right now. Um, and you know, I think I think that's a testament to just the demand for them um, in a lot of ways. But it's, man, it, it is cool to see. And obviously with, with Facebook and Instagram, like, you know, and even YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think a lot of just a lot of cool reptiles are getting in front of people's faces a lot more now than they ever have before. Right. Um, and so, I, you know, it's green trees are just one of those eye-catching species that, you know, when you see it, um, whether it's a, a locality snake or a designer snake, when you see it, you, you have to stop. If you have any interest in snakes or reptiles or anything, you have to stop and look at it and say, oh, my gosh, that thing's gorgeous. Yeah. Because it's interesting. I hatched out this clutch, and I got, as soon as I started posting pictures, I was having people message me like crazy wanting to buy some, which I wasn't used to. I came from, you know, crested geckos and other smaller snakes that aren't as in demand and, like, really struggling to to get some of them sold most of the time and so to see people sort of just coming out of the woodwork and being like when are you parting with any you know put me on a list this that and the other it was like oh my god i'm not used to not having to hunt people down to to buy stuff (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know if that's y'all's experience or if david you got the same thing when yours hatched if you had people coming out and trying to oh yeah snag a few Yeah, I, that was a bit surprising. I, I probably could have sold that clutch twice over, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, it, what particularly I find interesting is that it's like they don't even know how much I would charge for something like yeah. that. You know? and it's just... <laughs> That's like no, yeah, no, like, oh, man. It's the same thing for me. Like, no one asks for price. They're just like, you have any for sale? And I'm like, um no not right now you know check back in a year or whatever whenever i decide to part with any and i don't know if y'all do the list thing but i have people who are like put me on the list and i don't i don't really mess with the list stuff because it's like then i feel pressure to yeah. to have them prepared or ready yeah and it's just <laughs> like I'm, when they're ready they're ready uh i don't know i just i feel like then there's some sort of expectation that's been set and people are you know they're waiting in line yeah. And if I end up deciding to hold on to all of them, now I have a bunch of people that are pissed off at me because they've been waiting. And I don't know. I just I don't bother with it. Yeah. Not not my thing. I want to take my time. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's different when you know when you're selling a a five thousand dollar snake and and you're saying hey you know these babies are going to go for exorbitant amounts of money mm-hmm. if you want to get on the list get on the list right um but you know when it's um when it's something you know where you know you might hold on to a couple and and you know or hold on to a bunch of them and only sell a couple it's like and there, there's no there's no use in in creating this list that mm-hmm. people speak uh-huh. of um you know, running running the Instagram account, I, I get requests all the time and messages all the time from people just, Hey, what do you have for sale? What do you have for sale? What do you have for sale? 
and you know it again not not asking prices and you know i it's very rare that that i have anything for sale mm-hmm. um but it's you know it it is you know just uh, it, it's cool to see that people want green tree pythons right now i, I think i think it's just a, a really really cool time to be be in the hobby and and watch so many people get excited about the snake that you know we've been excited for you know so long it's interesting because i i have a buddy in the uk uh i don't know if y'all are friends with him on facebook or not but it's nipper reed and uh we were talking about that yesterday we were we were messaging each other back and forth and we were both sort of laughing at the fact that you know we keep things now that 20 years ago, 25 years ago, it was a pipe dream for anybody to have any, you know, not yeah. just green trees, but you know, there's a bunch of dart frog species that are crazy rare. And now people are actually producing them rough scale pythons, brettles, pythons, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for me, like green trees, I remember looking through like early two thousands reptiles magazines and seeing the signal herp ads with all the green trees in it and thinking, man, and like, how cool would that be to have some of those? And like, now, you know, 19 years later, or whatever, it's like I've actually got them, and it's still there's still that 10 year old kid, you know, in me that's still amazed that I actually get to own them and have them and enjoy them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It it is cool, man. And it, you know, it's it's something that I I know that we take for granted, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know there there's been so much work to go into getting these things you know just accessible but even getting the information to know how to how to breed them and how to take care of them and how to you know care for them in captivity uh, that we just we don't think about yeah. and it's it's crazy to think of the the people that have put in decades right. of work um just to get these things you know uh, able to to thrive in captivity that's something i keep in perspective a lot too i think about it a lot especially when i'm like driving or something but like we have it so easy now compared to 20 30 years ago oh, yeah. even longer back like it's mm-hmm. just unreal like a you have this machine that can tell you anything you ever want to know about anything in your pocket and now you have access to all this information and all these you know supplies or whatever else you need to make keeping these animals as easy as possible when guys like trooper walsh and stuff when they first got them in you know they were they had to crack that code without any of that yeah it's just mind-blowing like constantly tweaking, probably constantly losing animals, you know, just going through all the, the growing pains and stuff. And now, you know, we, we just, we have it so easy now. It's unreal. Yeah. Yeah. What Eugene Bissett always says that he's killed more chondros than he's ever hatched. <laughs> yeah. Just got to find that magic key. Yeah. Yeah. They, they can definitely be frustrating. And uh, chondros will definitely teach you patience. That is for certain. There have been a handful of nights where it ended with me, like, flipping the whole rack off, like, flipping at the bird, (laughs) saying, fuck y'all, and then walking out and going to bed. 
It was just like, whatever. I just I put <laughs> the tongs down. No, it didn't. <laughs> I just put the tongs down. I just went, I was like, I'm going to bed. Whatever. We'll come back at a, at a later date. I'm just, I'm, I'm done with you. But we're getting there. Like I said, I got three that are kind of being picky-ish. One in particular I think still hasn't taken. But the others, they're all coming around. So we're making headway. It's just centimeter by centimeter. Yeah. The challenge is still oddly addicting, though. It's still like, man, to, like I'll be at work and I'll be like, I'm gonna get them going tonight. It's gonna happen tonight's the night. I can feel it. They're gonna take. And yeah. Then they don't. Isn't it funny how you can get so frustrated <laughs> yeah. with them and then like be so an excited hour to later, get that frustrated? Later, you're yeah. looking, you're looking online for the next one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that is like self self. What mutilation at its finest? Yeah, mm-hmm. there is. Uh, Man, these things are so frustrating. I need more of them. Right. I tell Brath, <laughs> I, I tell Jake that all the time. I'm like, I don't even know why I keep these things, man. I was like, they don't, they don't work. They're all defective in some way or another. Like they're all, they're just, there's something wrong with every single one of them at some point or another. Like they're either really unfriendly and they want nothing to do with you. They either don't want to eat. They don't want to eat frozen thawed. They, uh, you know, they. they won't eat on their own prolapsing issues or something like there's just always something it's like why do I, you really gotta love these things to to want to be a sick bastard that wants to put up with yeah. that on a regular basis it's gotta be a form of psychosis or yeah. something <laughs> it's not it's not right yeah <sighs> they're definitely not for the faint at heart but man when when things do go well mm-hmm. oh man you're you're top of the world yeah, getting that first baby to eat, man, I was pumped. Yeah. I was like, yes, this is what they were all talking about. And then I was like, I can get all of them to eat, no problem. And then that's, I think that's when we went back to the flipping the rack, the bird, saying whatever, y'all. <laughs> I know what I'm going to be doing differently, though, next time I breed, for sure. I'm not going to be doing the water substrate thing. I don't know how well that's worked out for y'all, but I, uh, struggling with For the with, hatchlings? Yeah, for eggs. I was struggling with oh, uh, oh. I was struggling with like hydration issues with the eggs pretty early on with that, which amazes me because they're literally surrounded by water. Mm. Um, so I'm gonna try vermiculite next time. I don't know if you guys have tried both. David, you did water, right, or did you do vermiculite? Yeah, I started out with the uh, the no substrate method, and then I was experiencing similar. Um, you know, the eggs getting a little bit dehydrated. So mm-hmm. I switched them into vermiculite and I had no issues with the, uh, the rest of the incubation. So um, I'll probably just do the same thing next time. Yeah. Luke Myers did the, he had the same issue. He said they were looking rough. He put them in vermiculite. They plumped back up within, I think he said 24 or 48 hours. They were right back to normal. Yeah. So mine did too. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I tried it. I'm not a fan. And that's that's I, the nice I'm, thing too is figuring out that first round was brutal because it's like I don't have any reference or context of any of these issues I'm having, so I don't know what works for me yet. Right. But well, now, man, like man, every I feel like every incubator is totally different, mm-hmm. and yep. and you know then you you take you take a totally different incubator in. You know, totally different climates throughout the the world, and you know you, you even have 
uh, a different amount of eggs within the egg box, you know, and the, every egg box is different. And so, mm -hmm. man, fine tuning your your incubator to your room, to your climate, to the egg box that you're using, to the substrate that goes into it. It, man, there's so many variables variables that go into play that you know it's it's so hard to get it fine-tuned but then when you do see the positive results for your mm -hmm. situation and it, it's it's that that you just need to hold on to and say okay this works for me i'm going this way and i don't need i don't need to do everything like everyone else is is saying if it's not working for me right that was, uh, I think, one of the scariest parts for me uh, with that first clutch is that I couldn't see or figure out where the bugs were in my incubator until I actually had chondro eggs in there because mm -hmm. um, they weren't behaving the way that you wanted them to with the setup that you had. And having to switch course, you know, partway through incubation, you know, that that's really stressful, particularly when it's something that you've been working on for a long time and you don't want to mess it up. And, uh, you know, there's definitely more things to tweak out in my incubator. I know that I think it's the way the air was being blown around in there was able to pull too much. Um, there's like too much airflow over the eggs. I think that's what was drying them out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, what, you know, it, what are you I, I using? I had the same issue with uh with the, the fan that i was using in my incubator even even on the very lowest setting it was mm -hmm. still too high and it was drying stuff out it you know even in the egg box that i was using the the half of the egg box that was closest to the back of the incubator where the fan was you know closer to would dry out much much quicker than the eggs in the front towards the door that's and, amazing and so it, you know again it's just you know every every computer fan is different and mm -hmm. it's just yeah. a it's a nightmare to figure all those details out you know you when you you hear that and then you when you also see it happening with your own clutch you're like how in the world do these things ever survive in the wild <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know they're like the most sensitive thing ever <laughs> yeah they do what are you what are you both using for incubators? Did you make your own or did you buy one? I made my own. I, I converted a um a little wine fridge. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I did the same. Um I actually uh because because I don't have all the kinks of my incubator figured out to to my my own level of comfort, uh I am currently incubating my eggs at Bill's house. Because <laughs> Bill has his incubator dialed. <laughs> I mean, he he has been getting 100% hatch rates, you know, on all his clutches. And, you know, he'll even tell you, man, he, he has paid a lot of dues with that particular incubator uh, yeah. with ball pythons over the years to where he, he had to fine tune it and get it to where it is now. It, it is perfect. And, you know, it's, you know, it's just one of those things where you got to, you got to put in so much time and effort to like, and you just got to lose a bunch of eggs. 
in order to get it to where, okay, this is, this is what works for me. Um, you know, I, I think some of the, the companies like Hotbox incubators, I, I think they have a lot figured out. Um, but even a Hotbox incubator here in, in Texas is going to perform slightly differently than one in Florida mm-hmm. or one in California. Um, and so, it, man, it, it really is crazy. Well, my buddy Billy Hunt at uh, Uwabami Reptiles, he has a huge, well, I won't say it's huge, it's a big, it's not a wine cooler, it's like an old Coke fridge from like a store, like mm-hmm. a grocery store or something, or maybe a gas station, but I mean, that thing's probably, I'm 6'4", that thing's probably close to 6 feet tall if I had to guess, and he's been hatching stuff in that, no problem, but it's like, man, that must be a real nightmare yeah. to get the temperature, you know, gradient right because i'm sure it's yeah. a, just a, they're polar opposites at the top and the bottom of that thing either that or you have a big ass fan but i don't know that even the little one i have that i made because i did the same thing with a wine cooler it took a, a lot of experimenting and, and toying with and i tried to get everything that i had issue wise with that thing figured out before eggs showed up and even then it wasn't until i had eggs that i saw more problems that i was struggling with it was it was frustrating, man. You know, I, I've actually I've talked to people and and I've had a lot of people say that a bigger incubator is easier to control the temperature on, yeah. because because there's more. To, I I don't I don't know why, but I, I would assume there's just more air in there to yeah. to circulate and be a little more consistent because there's more of it. You can yeah, get yeah. further away from. You know, it's not so tight on the heat source and on the fan where everything is spread out a little bit more. But when it's locked and sealed, that temperature remains. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill Bill uses that that exact same type of incubator, the the big large gas station Coke machine mm-hmm. um, type thing. Um, even guys that have like the full room, like a closet walk in incubator, um, you know, they they do that because the temperatures are so stable. Um, but you know, again, I, I think it has so much, there's it's so much to do with all the different variables and getting it to work in your place, mm-hmm. uh, that it, it's just tricky to figure out. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure out what happened with my clutch. Cause I had, I had two babies that hatched, but they died out of the egg. And then I had the other five. Cause I had a clutch of 17. I had 13. Make it, and then I lost two when they came out, and then that left I think five that were fully like full term in the egg. They just died, and I'm still curious as to if that dehydration, you know, fairly early on had anything to do with it or or what. I don't I don't know. It could be whatever. I will find out if I use for make it light next next year. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the differences are. But if you guys. Uh, what? Moving on to the other thing that's kind of been floating around lately that everyone's sort of concerned about is is Facebook and Instagram cracking down on sales. What do y'all think we're we're moving towards with that? Do you think we're all just gonna go back to King Snake and Fauna, or you think I know there's a couple there's a new website called Reptile Highway. I think that's um who is it that was working on that? I can't remember her name. Uh, 
Yeah, I saw you post something on it. Yeah, I'm trying I, to. Oh, uh, I, I think it's Linda Switzer. She's the one who's been who's heading that. But I mean, I, I don't know. I understand why people are frustrated with it because the convenience of Facebook and Instagram were right there. That's where everyone already is. You know, why why go to another party somewhere else when everyone's already at that one? Um, but at the same time, like this hobby was alive and fine without Facebook before Facebook. Wait, what? The hobby existed before Facebook? I mean, sales and stuff were fine before Facebook. Like, people nope. sold animals before social media. Nope. <laughs> 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 now, you know, I, it is super unfortunate. Uh, you know, the, the thing that came out, when, when was it, today or yesterday, that uh, PETA bought bought uh shares in in facebook and is now like a you know i I don't know how significant of a shareholder they are um but uh and it i mean to you know i'm not a not a PETA fan but it's actually brilliant of them to to do that this way and and i I was reading some articles that they they've done this with with a, a bunch of other companies they've bought share shares um from mcdonald's mm-hmm. to like have a place at their shareholder meetings to speak and have a voice that you know reflects however many shares they they have mm-hmm. like it's it, there's there's someone that's pretty smart over there at PETA, um at least to accomplish the goals that they want to do and um, but it, it is super unfortunate because you know it, it's um, it's penalizing people that that do love animals, and that you know we we're not doing this because we we like you know abusing animals and and everything. Like we're we're for the conservation of animals. We we love um, the snakes that we have here, and and it's um, it it's just really unfortunate that what's happening with all the Facebook group. And, you know, we lost, we lost another, um, green tree forum, um, like last week or something. One of the, one of the big ones, right? I don't know. I'm only an MVF. Yeah. I thought, I thought there was another one. People were, were complaining about it. Um, that, that went down and, um, it, it just, it, it's, it's really unfortunate, but at the same time, you know, it, it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it definitely makes things harder. You know, I, I think, I think, um, the actual MVF, um, is, is going to be uh, a great place for, for at least green tree people to fall back to and, and have the discussions and, and man, it would be awesome to have the forum kick back into, um, a place where people are using it regularly and the classifieds there. Um, I would love to see that. Um, but you know, even, even places like fauna and King snake, and, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, and I, I've, I've never used morph market or anything like that. Um, but you know, I, I think there's, there's enough options out there right now to where there's places that people can go. Um, like you said, it's not, it's not ideal. Um, it's not the most convenient thing mm-hmm. because people are on Facebook and they are on Instagram and, and all that stuff. Um, but 
there's definitely options out there. And so it, you know, it's an inconvenient workaround, but it's, it's definitely not the end of the world. I, I haven't heard of anyone getting, um, problems or like having posts removed on Instagram. It's starting. Yeah. Jordan Russell just had, uh, like literally two days ago or two nights ago, he was selling some gargoyle geckos or something and, and it got, Instagram took it down. I think they actually might've taken down his entire account. Really? Yeah. Oh, Maybe wow. they just suspended it. I don't know, but it, it got, it was temporarily unavailable. Hmm. So it's getting interesting. And I'm, I was talking to Jacob about that today too. Cause I was going to go on my Facebook page, the PCE page and cause I figured they're searching these for these pages by keywords. I'd imagine is going to be the big thing and what they are listed as categorically. And I had pet breeder as my category for the page. So I went and deleted that because I figure if you blend in with other pages and don't have any keywords where that they can search for and flag, then they're not going to find you. I could be wrong. That's just a theory. I know I'm not Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, as much as I wish he's listening right now, I know as much as I wish I had that, that Zuckerberg money, uh, just whisper. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to try that out. Cause I have a feeling we're, we're kind of just getting into the whole, "Quote unquote witch hunt of everything." Like I feel like it's going to be getting stricter soon. How so? You think they're just going to knock groups off because they're animal focused? Or... Yeah, I mean, there's it's so strange. Like they're doing it with a you know more than just animal stuff. They're doing it with guns. They're doing it with uh, right wing political stuff. It's just it's very yeah. strange that they're kind of shuffling everyone in sort of the direction they want to go and i mean politics regardless it's just it's very odd to me that they're uh they're doing that but i mean you're on their website you're playing by their rules so but i've seen a lot of people complain about how archaic and old king snake and fauna are when they work the exact same way they did 10 years ago they're just as popular at least now they're getting to be again. I just sold a Brettles on Fauna like two weeks ago. No problem. Yeah. So I don't see really what the big deal is. I don't, I don't. Nah, I, I don't either. I, I, I go to those websites periodically and have, you know, since I've been, you know, doing this stuff and they've been around and the, you know, Facebook had the advantage of being super, super easy because mm-hmm. you can post pictures and you didn't have to pay anything to put ads up and, you know, um, so it just became the, the place to go, but those other places still function just fine, yep. you know, and they're definitely going to have a resurgence because, you know, um, there's not a lot of other choices. I mean, you can see how many people are on Fauna looking at a particular thread at any given time, and it's usually in at least yep. the double digits, if not triple. Like, there's, there's, it still gets a lot of traffic. So people are just like, I'm not going to use Kingsnake because it's old. I'm not going to use Fauna because it's old. It's like, whatever. People are still on there. People are still looking for snakes. People are still selling animals. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you put all your eggs in that Facebook basket, then you're you're likely to be screwed at some point, I think. Yeah. You know, and I, I also think we'll, we'll likely see a, a bigger resurgence of individual websites. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everyone's kind of used the crutch of Facebook to 
function as their own website because it's super easy. Right. Um, yeah. But I mean, man, you look at like like Dave D is Vibrant Viridus website. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Like, dude, that's that is snake porn. I mean, just yeah, to he, did, stare, he did a good job on that. I mean, stare it. at that website and go through all the. I mean, it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I I don't think he uh, he necessarily like updates it with every new snake that he gets and and everything that could possibly be for sale all the time. But you know, I, I think. I think more and more people, especially, you know, it's it's a lot easier to make websites now than it was even five, six, seven years oh, ago. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, you can you can go on, you can create a pretty good looking website in a pretty short amount of time for not much money. I put and, the THP one together in like two days. Yeah, and it's way easier to update stuff, and so I I, I think I think there's there's likely going to be a. Um, a resurgence of people using individual websites and, and, you know, whether or not they actually um, update them and, and, you know, sell animals directly through their website, you know, it will be up to them. But I, I bet you'll start seeing more and more of that. I do like the idea of people going back to the forums, like actually going back to the MVF. Yeah. Man, I, I love the MVF. I, I was looking on there actually uh, today or yesterday and there, there were a couple new posts um, which is always encouraging. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd be curious to see how many people actually, if they haven't signed up for act, like the MVF, the forum, not the group, but how many people actually leave the group or stay on the group, but how many actually sign up to be a member on there. Because mm-hmm. I feel like that played a big part in why groups got so popular is there wasn't a registration and a sign up or anything like that. You just joined that group. It was one click. And people are so lazy now, I think, to go through and sign up on a forum like you used to do all the time. You know, how many people are actually going to take the time to do that? It'd be interesting to see who who does it and who doesn't. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, when it, you know, it, it was always such a like an intimidating barrier of entry of mm-hmm. like, oh man, I gotta I gotta sign up, I gotta create a, a like. A profile. I gotta it's make my first post. Everyone here is gonna see it. Like I'm gonna look like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that, that's it was intimidating stuff. And you know, with with Facebook, it's just the thing where everyone has a profile. You can say whatever you want. It doesn't matter. There's no one like no one knows who anyone is. You could be talking to a Condro legend on Facebook. You could be talking to a Condro. Uh, you know, beginner or even a non-keeper, but they've started a group, and so it they feel like they have some sort of clout, and you don't you don't know who you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Um, but the MVF, like, really, really, you know, you could go in and see very easily. These are the people that have create like that have that have successfully kept and and bred and and uh, you know they're. There was kind of this, you know, click group of, of people that you were like, man, these guys are the real deal. Mm-hmm. I want to hear what they have to say about this topic. I think being able to see how long someone's been a member and seeing how many posts they've done over the years and stuff played a big part in that. You don't get oh, that with sure. the groups. You don't yeah. have a clue, you know, unless it says they're an admin. You don't know how active that person is, how long they've been keeping, how long they've been a member. Yeah, and... You, you know, even even if they're an admin, like you, yeah, you don't know what their 
you don't know if they've ever kept anything. Right. They they could just be, you know, somebody's buddy. Yeah, they could just be an, an enthusiast. And so yeah, it it is. Uh, the the NBF is so great. I I do I pop on there every now see, and then. Uh, I would love to see more and more people come back to come back to it and to to pick it up for the first time and, and get plugged in. I think we're, I mean, we're all fortunate that it's still available. Just think of how many yeah, forums are now gone. You know, there was so much, just a ar- huge archive of information on there that just, you know, Morelia Python, that that forum, I don't even think that's still around, is it? Because that was a huge yeah, carpet forum, uh, and I don't, I think that's gone. I don't think you have access to any of that stuff. And there was years and years and years of information on there. Yeah. Yeah, we're definitely lucky to still have all that stuff. And, you know, that it's, it's searchable and mm-hmm. you know easy to navigate you know relatively so uh, to to find find the topics find the issues you're looking for well if it's anything like facebook there can be a search function but no one's going to use it <laughs> right <laughs> that's for sure they need to make that little search bar way bigger than it is yeah why would I search for it when I can just ask it 7,000 times? And then get seven <laughs> replies saying the and exact w- same thing. Yeah, and wait for everyone to yell at me. That's what cracks me up about those snake ID groups. Is someone posts it, and then you have one person say, oh yeah, that's a copperhead. Someone else says, copperhead. And like three other people are like, yeah, it's a copperhead. It's like, we've established that. Why, why are there ten of you <laughs> telling us that? Like, what? <laughs> You see that someone else commented on it, and they're right. Like, what's the? It just, it. I can't wrap my head around it. I just making people feel good about themselves. I guess I don't. I don't know. Everyone wants to be the expert, man. That's that's the Facebook, that's the Facebook mantra. Yeah. Join Facebook, where you can be an unqualified expert. I call them toes. Me and Jay call them toes. The overnight it's experts. Expert. So we see something on a group or something. Oh yeah, that guy's a toe overnight experts but we are coming up on an hour 15 let's close out with what y'all's plans are for later this year and 2020 david what you got going what you got planned i am hoping to have um pure manaquari uh clutch uh hopefully within the next year is what i'm looking to do i have uh three females that are now old enough um, to reproduce so I'm going to try cycling them well it started now but cycling them and then uh, doing introductions this this upcoming fall and winter do you know how much they weigh are they pretty small yeah they're all small all my females are on the small side Um, they're I don't know quote unquote more natural in weight Mm -hmm. so they're I would um, say probably the eight 100 gram range I still need to get guess. a yeah I still need to get a scale and weigh my big Biok I'm curious what she's at she's huge I wouldn't be surprised if she was at least a thousand yeah she's a monster and you said you have three females that yeah. you think will be ready to go I think so yeah uh, they're they're certainly old enough now um, and I this will be the first time I'm going to try uh, getting them to go so we'll see what happens. But they're all going to be paired. All of them will be paired with, um, I got um, a couple of Manaquari males, too, um, that 
should be ready and available for him. So I'm, I'm hoping to get a straight Manaquari clutch this year. That's my goal anyway. That's awesome. Well, man, with, uh, with three chances to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds, sounds like you should have <laughs> odds are in your favor. It, yeah. At least, at least decent odds to get one. Uh, it's definitely not going to happen now. <laughs> oh, sorry, dude. I'm so sorry. <laughs> erase it from, erase it from the podcast and then it'll never happen. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Are yeah. you, are you, are you in the camp of, of, you know, traditional winter cycling and, and, doing it with temperature and you know light and food and all this stuff um i'm i'm more in the i don't know if you want to call it the the newer like food cycling method that people are starting to go towards more often um so what what i'm doing is i'm i'm fasting my animals uh during the summer and then um start feeding them again in the fall and feed the females very, very frequently um, and do introductions while that's all going on. Uh, and then on you top feed them of with that, small, smaller yeah. meals during that time. Yeah, definitely smaller. Like, mm-hmm. you know, instead of large or jumbo sized mouse, they would get like small to medium. And uh, that's, that's what I did with this girl this last winter. Um, and I was feeding her, a very small meal, maybe every three to five days or so. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, you know, they were, um, pairing up very regularly and, and, um, did everything that was pretty much textbook. Um, and so, uh, I'm definitely gonna, I'm going to do it again this year. It, I have other things at play too. I'm, I'm sure I do because, um, you know, I'm in Maine, it gets super cold here in the winter. And so there's definitely that going on, even if I'm not doing a very dramatic temperature drop. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I will do is drop it maybe a couple degrees at night. Um, you know, so for a nighttime temp, instead of being around 80, it would be around 78, 77. And then, um, and do you do, window- do, you do night drop year round? I do just do that. No, I dramatically during that season. Yeah, I do it year round. So uh, daytime temp is set at 82 to 83. Mm -hmm. And at night, I let it drop down to 80. Um, And then in the fall, winter, I'm going to let it go down to 77, 78 degrees. Uh, And then I also have a uh, a window in my uh, room. Um, So they are definitely seeing a a seasonal variation in in light as well so Mm -hmm. it's it's one of those things that i think will will get her to cycle um i'm i'm leaning more on the the food side because that's the most dramatic thing that i'm doing um and it kind of makes sense that they're they're in the wild i'm sure they're probably cycling more on uh seasonal food fluctuation um along with, you know, the, the rainy season, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So are, is that all the pairs that you're planning on doing three, three manicori pairs and, and nothing else? Yep. That's it. Uh, for this upcoming winter, um, the girl that laid eggs this past winter, I'll, I'll give her a year off. Um, and then everything else I have, um, I've been trying to collect a, you know, some, 
just straight Manaquari and build up that collection. And I finally have some animals that are of age this year. And, and that's where I really want to put the focus is on a just straight Manaquari locality type pairings. I'm yeah. really anxious to see what those grow outs you have are going to look like, man. The ones you keep posting in the groups. Yeah. Those yeah. are going to be cool. Hey, I want to see what happens with the yellow on them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just the other Manaquari I had didn't really go through that where, you know, they're showing green scales with a lot of yellow. Um, so it, the next couple of months are going to be kind of neat to see what happens. Are you working with pretty much all red Neo Manaquaris? Yeah, I have a single pair of yellow baby Manaquari that are now adults. Um, mm-hmm. So they'll getting, they're going to get matched up um, this winter as well. But then everything else I've collected is I've been focusing on red um, Manaquari, red baby Manaquari. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. I do still want to diversify and get some other localities at some point. Yeah. I did pick up three Aru um, about a year or so ago, and they're still young. Um, They're they're definitely a few years out before I I would even do anything with them, but just to kind of mix it up a little bit. Did you buy just uh, baby Aru's, or did you get like a young pair? No, I bought them as babies. Mm -hmm. Everything that I have, I I bought as as a young baby and have just raised them up over the years. Awesome. How about you guys? What are you guys uh, planning? What's coming up this year? I have nothing going on this year. <laughs> nothing. I'm giving that female a year nothing off. to live for. Yep. I'm giving that, <laughs> giving that girl a year off. And this time next year, well, fall, maybe fall of next year, I'll have my, my uh, biggest pair of bear drats will be ready to go. And that, that big BX female, you're, you're only... Uh, breeder size female at this yeah. point. Yep, I think the little one that I have, the the juvenile, that one might I think be a female. Its sheds are kind of turning that direction, but it's still kind of early. Mm-hmm. And then I have that young male that I'm going to use him next year because he'll definitely be big enough by then. So, and then the two from Luke, uh, I'm really hoping, I'm really curious to see what those turn out to be. Those just turned a year as of May, so those have a long way to go still, but. Those things are strange. They don't have any green on them yet. And me and Luke are constantly messaging each other, like, hey, any of your stream green? He's like, nope. Any of yours? Nope. And like, there's really strange. There's not a speck of green on them. Yeah. And they were both yellow neos? Yeah. The whole clutch was. Right. Cool. So just bairds, huh? Yeah, next year. And then that female again. That's it. And my brettles are still a ways out. Um,. Corns, maybe. I don't know yet. I, I, I don't even know what some of mine are still. I, I think I might have all females. And the cyania aren't going to be ready anytime soon. My female's still small. Uh, I mean, I, I got nothing, man. <laughs> it's pretty nice, though, to not, not be pressured to get anything done. Just When they're ready, they're ready. Whatever. I'm in no hurry whatsoever. Nice. But yeah, my dad a has a, yeah, my dad has a bunch of gray bands that'll be hatching in the next couple of weeks, though. So that'll be pretty cool. Sick. Gray bands yeah, are, awesome. are awesome. See if those are as much of a pain to get going as the green trees are. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard they're. Uh, they are similar. Yeah, 
you know, it's I, think a, I, I think I'd be more intimidated by trying to get gray bands going than I would green trees. They just seem like they'd be harder. Yeah. I don't know. He's gotten a few babies from shows and stuff that were fresh out of the egg, tiny, and some of them he didn't have any problems with. He's had, I think, maybe two or three that were really stubborn and just wouldn't mm. wouldn't take for nothing. So, I don't know. I'm sure being, you know, having a couple of generations of captive bred in those is makes your life a lot easier if you have some of those wild-caught ones that you're breeding that are, you know, F1s or whatever. Those are probably going to be a real pain. Yeah, but Mark, what do you uh, what do you got going on? Are you uh, well, done man, pairing since, for the year? Since both do what? Are you done pairing for the year? You got other stuff you're gonna do later. Uh, I'm, I, uh, so I have three three females that are of age, and and the two that I paired this year both went, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, that's you know uh, that's kind of a dream come true. Both. Uh, both females that that I paired ended up, um, at least so far, going the distance. Um, got eggs from one and got ovulation and uh, waiting on prelation from the other. So they'll they'll get next year off. Uh, and then I actually um, I just acquired um, last month I think last month or, or the end of May. Um, I got a real big uh jaya lira cross female um it was originally from bushmaster there's there's this um this breeder up in uh up in chicago that had three female chandros for sale they were all adults they were all um you know just older and they had never they'd never bred them they never even had a male um to to put them with and so um i I decided to pull the trigger and buy all three for just a, a good deal. And then, mm-hmm. uh, got all of them down here. And then us, uh, the, the Texas Condro coalition down here, we, <laughs> we divide them up among ourselves. Um, and so we, we got, we got three new female, uh, adults down here in Texas. Um, but I'll, awesome. I'll probably, I'll probably give that girl a shot. Um, the beginning of, of this next year. So I'll, I'll, uh, let her acclimate from now until, mm-hmm. um, probably, probably January. Uh, and then, uh, I plan on throwing, uh, one of my Calico line males in with her. Um, she, she's got this nice, she, she's, she's pretty big. She's like, uh, 1200 grams. Wow. Uh, 1100 grams she's she's a, a, a pretty big green yeah. tree she's not the biggest i've seen but she's big yeah um and the head on her it, it's like a it's like a carpet python i mean the muscles the yeah. bulges behind her eyes are just massive um so she's a she's a pretty intimidating one to look at but mm-hmm. she so far she seems pretty okay um, and she's got this nice blue just kind of a blue wash over her whole body. Um, and, uh, and the, the male that I'll pair her with, um, has a lot of, uh, like black and blue diamonds all over him. Um, and so I, I'll, I'll give them a shot. And if they go this next year, great. And if not, then, uh, hopefully I'll have my, my hands full with enough, 
Ashlings to where I won't care. Um, <laughs> but that's just wishful thinking at this point. I will say I am glad that I didn't have 17 baby green trees. Like there is a silver lining to losing a handful of them because <laughs> yeah. man, having 17 <laughs> of these things, oh, 10 is plenty. Yeah. Which is yeah, which sure. I said from the beginning before I even got eggs is that if this is a small clutch, I'll probably actually be happier with that than if I got a huge clutch. Small batch. Yeah, but you yeah. know if you know if you don't know any different when you're getting into it, you know you'd you'd probably be pretty pretty stoked to have seventeen babies too. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's so. just knowing going into yeah. it that they'd be as difficult as everyone told me they would be. It was. Like, you know, if I end up with only a handful, I'll be happy with that, too. I'm not going to be upset. You know, it's not going to be like, oh, I had 17 eggs and I only ended up with two babies. It's whatever, right. you know. I, I, I have no issues with, with getting less than what I expected. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I got I got nine nine eggs cooking right now for my, my BX female. And so far, they look they all look pretty good. And then this, this other female that that I'm waiting, waiting on eggs. She is, um, I've had her since 2000. I think I got her in 2012 at like while she was changing. So she was probably a year old at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, so she is, I mean, at least seven years old, uh, if not eight, and the last time I weighed her, which was um, a couple months before I paired her this last season, she was 450 grams. Oh, awesome. So, <laughs> so she, I mean, and I, I'm telling you, I have tried, I've tried everything. I've, I've fed her bigger meals. I've fed, fed her more smaller meals. She, she just, she's done growing. She has no desire to be any bigger. She is a 450 gram female at seven years old. And, you know, I'm so nervous that things are (laughs) going to go wrong or whatever, but you know, people keep assuring me like, no, that like that's in the wild. Like that's a, a, you know, I don't know if you'd say it's normal size, but it's at least within the distribution. Yeah. Yeah. So she's, She's a, a total midget chondro, um, but hopefully, uh, you know, I, I, I will be really interested to see the eggs that she lays because they've, they've got to be minuscule. Mm-hmm. Um, but who knows? Um, I, I've heard I've heard of some other other guys that have successfully bred females at, at 400, 500 grams and and gotten, you know, still eight to 10 egg clutches and not had issues. Um, so hopefully we'll, uh, we'll see what happens and it'll all be positive. When I got that first clutch, that's what surprised me the most was just how small, like people told me their eggs weren't very big, but I was not expecting them to be that small. Yeah. I was, I was really excited to go over to Bill's the other day and I, I literally walked into a snake room and I said, Bill, I want you to get me a ball python egg. I have this idea for a picture that is just like it's just been in my mind. I want to put a ball python egg next to a green tree egg and show everyone mm-hmm. how like how small these are because they they are so tiny. Um, 
And then, you know, a snake is inside of there and it pops out and you have to start feeding it. Yeah. It's, it's just wild to me. Well, you always see them on, on Facebook and stuff all the time. Like, you see pictures of eggs in the group, but you never get any real context to just how small they are. And so, I, like, I knew they'd be little, but it wasn't until I saw them that I was like, wow, those things are, like, that's, that's a big female bee elk that laid those, and that those eggs are small. But it's crazy because Bratz had his Poplin carpets lay, and those eggs were, the first the clutch was half the size of mine, but the eggs were twice the size of the green tree eggs. Like, two of those green tree mm-hmm. eggs could fit in the same size circle of a, you know, one of those popwin carpets, and that female was smaller than mine. It was really bizarre. Wow. They're, yeah, they're bigger yeah. snakes like that, but they're laying small, small, small eggs and bigger clutches. I'm yeah. trying to see if Justin, Justin Wilbanks, he just had his first pip from a clutch that he's been waiting on for the last couple weeks. I'm trying to see if any of those are out yet. Nice. Because that was a pretty cool pairing, too. Yeah, he's he's been he's been dialed in this season. He's been having a lot of success. It's been awesome. I'm I'm really excited for him. Yeah, he was a huge help, man. I was talking to him a lot during incubation and stuff. He was he's a massive help. I'm gonna get him on here eventually too. I've been talking to him about it for a long time. It's just schedules aren't aren't jiving. But if there is nothing else y'all got, we're at an hour and a half. If there's anything you wanna wanna add or anything we didn't touch on, um I think we covered pretty much everything we wanted to. I think so, yeah. Where can people find you? Ah, uh, Facebook for now, I guess. <laughs> Until it disintegrates. <laughs> Until it all disappears. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, easiest, easiest place to find me is uh, either on Facebook or on Instagram. Uh, Texas Condros or Mark Hager. David, the official sponsor of this podcast. Yeah, you can... Uh, uh, reach me on, uh, you know, I got my own Facebook page and especially enclosuredesigns.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram as well. All right, y'all. Well, I appreciate you coming on, taking the time out of your, your evenings. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having us. This was fun. Yeah. Thank you. Anytime. We'll see y'all later. All right. Take yeah. it easy. Have a good fourth. All that good stuff. Do the Thank same. You. All right. Take it easy, y'all. See you guys. See ya. All right, y'all. That was episode 13 of the ChondroCast. Please be sure to subscribe via SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Find these episodes on YouTube on my YouTube channel, Palmetto Coast Exotics. Uh, Please follow David at Specialty Enclosure Designs. Follow Mark at Texas Chondros. Big thanks to David for being the official sponsor of this show. whether you need the Python portals we were talking about, uh, perches, perch holders, the micro hooks that I've been using for Neonate Chondros, he does so many cool products that you need to go check out. SpecialtyEnclosureDesigns.com. Um, coming out with new stuff all the time. He just came out with a, a perch meant for taller tubs. Uh, not necessarily the shallow shoebox style, but something a little more squared off and a little taller. Um, please check him out. Doesn't just have to be for Condro stuff. Use them for Amazons. I use them for the Boiga. I use them for the Brettles Pythons. Jake uses them for his carpets. Uh, so many uses for all of his products, please. If you think it could use it, if it has any arboreal tendencies at all, specialtyenclosuredesigns.com. See you all later. <laughs>